Welcome to You Wanted a Hit, a podcast in which we discuss unlikely, perplexing, and positively bizarre songs that swept the nation and often the world. Hit songs that, looking back, make us think, how did this get played on the radio? Do people actually like this? Do we like this? Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your co-host, Michael Smith, and I'll be discussing one song per episode with my co-host and fellow music fanatic, pop culture enthusiast, Theo Bible. Each episode, we'll take turns exploring the song, while the other host has no idea what song will be the focus until we hit play. So I researched like an entire song, and then I changed my mind. So mm-hmm. I've been like cramming today, <gasps> and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a beer. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so I I am having a Sierra Nevada big little thing. So oh, I okay. am I am I am supporting. Yeah, uh, as, as they support us. So amazing. Mike's a good company man. Well, I'm having a coffee because it's 10 a.m. Is that um, a Dolly Parton mug? Yeah, it's a Dolly Parton mug. Oh. Can you see? Excellent. It's got a guitar for a handle. Oh, which is wow. Cool. oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Is that from a Nashville gift shop? <laughs> um, I think I got this in Dollywood. Um, oh, lovely. But the quality, I mean, no shade on Dolly, but the quality is not great. So every time I drink from it, <laughs> bits of the picture come off on my hand. Oh, no. um, <laughs> it's still, it's but, still Gatlinburg, Tennessee, you know? Yeah, yeah. She needs to be spending more time on the quality control of her merchandise at her theme park. <laughs> yeah, and less She's on not busy. saving the world. <laughs> She's not busy. Yeah, she already made the COVID vaccine. All right, now back to the important things. <laughs> yeah, Get exactly. these mugs in order. <laughs> Well, this is You Wanted a Hit. It's our podcast about unlikely hit songs. And we are very excited to have a wonderful special guest uh, tonight or this morning, depending on who you ask on this (laughs) call right now. Uh, We have singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, radio host, etc. Probably missing some things. (laughs) Georgia Mooney, broadcasting from Sydney, Australia. (laughs) Yay! Hi, thanks, guys. Transcontinental <laughs> podcast here. I yes. know. Is this our first time doing that? I hope that this is the furthest distance at the very least. Definitely furthest it is, distance. Yeah. It is the furthest first distance. Aussie? And actually, we... Uh, yes. I believe yeah, so. I believe so. And we we do actually have a... Um, compared to a lot of other countries, we have a number of Australian listeners. So, oh, there you yes, go. Yes, we do. It's one of our, one of our, our top... Top countries as of awesome. recent. So. Well, I hope I get stopped on the street and asked about this <laughs> podcast experience. Well, that would be amazing. Uh, it's not. It's not that many, Georgia. <laughs> I'll check hey. back in. Let you know. It only takes one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five five years from now, somebody. Will... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here is the song that we will be discussing today. Oh my god. Oh yeah. <laughs> Right away. <laughs> I wonder if you do a Nozzy one. <laughs> Great song. I mean, we have to hear that magical production for a little bit, right? Ivy. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm, when those drums come in, so good. Uh, so good. Beautiful, those dulcet tones. Yes, I... Um, as I said, I went through a couple different songs, and this is one I'd been wanting to talk about for a while. Oh, great um, choice. Because, you know, I, 
you listen to this song, you hear it, you don't think, well, that's a weird song or it's strange or silly or anything. But the story of how it happened is very unlikely. If there's this crazy roadmap to how it how it huh. happened. So well, I'm I excited feel, feel to talk like about it. That's very exciting. I don't know really any background on this song apart from Excellent. every single word. <laughs> um, I didn't know she was so Australian. So yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I am learning already. <laughs> yes, this is "Torn" by Sydney Australia singer and actor Natalie Imbruglia. Didn't know she was an actor either. I'm learning so much. <laughs> oh, oh my yeah. gosh! There's so much to learn about the lore of Natalie. Let's go. <laughs> um. Well, it was released in 1997. Mm-hmm. A wonderful year. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk mm-hmm. a lot about that year. <laughs> Natalie was born in Sydney in 1975. Her father was a Sicilian immigrant, and her mother was from a long-standing Australian family whose origins trace back to the convicts on the First Fleet. Oh, my gosh. Yes, cool. which was... Wow. Uh, for for those who don't know, the fleet of 11 British ships that brought the first British colonists and convicts to Australia. Yes, where they massacred the native people and built this weird country. Um, but that's one of those historical things that's sort of like it's a cool fact to, to be descended from convicts, but it's also, I mean, convicts more than, you know, settlers right that's yeah. more acceptable you're sort of vaguely yeah that, it was against their will yeah exactly that's <laughs> and they probably just stole a piece of bread and then were sent to the other side of the world but <laughs> yeah um yeah, genuinely right. but yeah it's one of those things where it's it's kind of not that cool to be descended from <laughs> right from no that's, settlers. that makes sense yeah yeah natalie mostly grew up in the coastal sydney suburb of berkeley vale georgia are you familiar with berkeley vale oh i'm actually not i'm ashamed to it say it sounds like it's pretty small Sounds okay. Because <laughs> yeah. veils are typically small. I don't know. Sounds nice. Uh, Natalie says that she grew up, as she describes it, as a, quote, surfer girl, but she developed a love for the arts, dance in particular, at a young age. Uh-huh. Uh, according to Rob Harvilla's excellent 60 songs that explain the 90s column and podcast, which everyone should check out if they have not. Um, he's also mm-hmm. publishing a book soon that's uh, called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s, which I will likely purchase and read. Cool. Um, I'm going to reference it a few times because he, he had a number of details that I didn't find anywhere else. But he said that Natalie spent a lot of time as a child singing Carpenters and Whitney Houston and Beatles and Michael Jackson songs into a hairbrush. <laughs> didn't we all? Which is Amazing. super cute. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I like I like that lineup of artists. I yeah. like that it leads with the Carpenters. Yeah. He also said that she had always wanted to be a star, and that it kind of weirded out her parents, but they relented and supported her. Oh. So, a lifelong dream, mm. it seems. Okay. It is always a. I don't know. It's always a tricky one when someone's ambitions are not to be a musician but to be a star um yeah that's always a kind of yeah i don't know setting yourself up for a <laughs> weird life <laughs> expectations are high <laughs> really high yeah i think also um, when you lead with that the expectations yeah. on um your own personality are maybe uh, a little different I feel like, especially in Australia, we're really inclined to cut people down if they're ambitious. And You're not the someone, first person oh, to tell me that. Oh, really? Isn't there a phrase yeah. for it? Tall poppy syndrome. 
kinds of things. So, yeah, if a poppy grows too high, we just not lop their head off. But um, so if there was a kid going around saying, I'm going to be a stud, it will be like, oh, bloody dickhead, get out of here. Oh, we love that shit over here. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the opposite kind of a vibe. Her family moved into the city when Natalie was a teenager, and she studied at a special academy for dance six days a week, focusing on oh ballet, gosh. tap, and Scottish Highland dance. Yes, I googled Natalie Imbruglia Scottish Highland dance looking for videos <laughs> and couldn't find anything, Oh, <laughs> unfortunately. Why wouldn't you put that into a music video in right? future days? Of course. I'm so good. <laughs> um, Natalie started acting at age 16 and subsequently dropped out of school to pursue it. She got her first acting job in a Japanese bubblegum commercial. Cool. And then landed gigs in TV commercials for Coca-Cola and Australian snack Twisties. Oh, sick. <laughs> That's a good those one. Are like, those are like Cheetos, right? <laughs> um, Yeah, I think so. The cheese curls? Yeah, the cheesy puff thing, which is sort of like a wiggly worm. What, okay. What's the shape of a Cheeto? Uh, they have a few different ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of them's just like a squiggly thing. Yeah. And then the others are like puffs. They're like, okay. um, they almost look like popcorn that you like pack things with. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they look good. Yeah. You pack in your inside. Well, let's all check out her Twisties commercial. Oh my gosh. Wow. This is so well researched. It's a high production value. <laughs> <laughs> There oh she is. Gosh. Look at the outfit. She's eating a twisty and the world is changing. <laughs> oh, wow. We got like a Tom Cruise guy rolling in here. Yeah, she's like a server in a beach town and then, yeah, a para, paratrooper comes in. This is giving me strong, in. like, Beverly <laughs> Hills, Naruto vibes as well. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Well, Baywatch action. Wow, I, I, she really doesn't look like how she turned out to look <laughs> i i thought the same yeah. actually i also think the color grade yes. is really intense on i absolutely this. <laughs> thought the guy who dropped was alec baldwin for a second that <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. exceptional wow especially if i just didn't notice yeah. what a commercial <laughs> this is very pretty epic commercial for a snack <laughs> yeah i know and quite saucy there's an old man vaguely harassing a teenage girl um, I had that thought too. It's a little, it's a little <laughs> odd, and just different you times, know, guys. Different times. Thought, different it, times. Well, maybe it was more about the That's, snacks. Yeah, so true. That doesn't the really look like Australia, but wow, what a beautiful scene! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. In '92, when Natalie was 17, she was offered a two-episode role on the Australian soap opera yes. Neighbors. Mm-hmm. I assume that Georgia is quite familiar with oh, the yeah, show. Oh, yeah, I, I am. Uh, Have you never heard of Neighbours? I know what it is, but I've never seen Poor it. Poor Theo's like, oh, I do not. none of this Aussie stuff is making oh. any sense to you yet. Oh. But it will, I swear. <laughs> Soon you'll start enjoying the story. Um, Neighbours is one of those shows. It's, yeah, it's like a, it's a so proper. It's about a cul-de-sac where all the people live and they're all friends and enemies and lovers oh, and all of that all right. stuff. Oh my god! I have that almost exactly. Right <laughs> so, <down. laughs> so that's the Melrose Place of Australia. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think. And it's it similar. weirdly became huge in the UK, but obviously never oh. traveled really mm-hmm. to the states. But but it's almost bigger in the UK. I know people that watch it here. Oh. Like it, it got to some people. I think it has a, a cult following. They just had here. a funny thing where they just wrapped it up. It was like 
I don't know however many years it's been, like 50 years, but basically every Australian... Since 86. Right. So every Australian celebrity started in Neighbours, even Kylie Minogue. Um, I'm pretty yep. sure Heath Ledger did. All the, all the actors and then... Russell Crowe. Oh, wow. um, musicians as well. The Hemsworths, totally. Guy Pierce, Margot yeah, Robbie. Yeah. And so for the very yeah. last ever episode, they got all these people back. They got Kylie back. They got Jason Donovan and they got all these superstars. I think Natalie was in it too. Yeah, maybe she was. I'm pretty sure she was, yeah. They did the finale, and then, like, a couple of months later, they were like, oh, actually, we've just got an offer to do it on a streaming platform, so it's back, and everyone was fuming. (laughs) (laughs) Kylie Minogue was like, what? Why would I come back? I was just going to say, it premiered September 18th on Amazon Freebie. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Neighbors, a new chapter. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, I think they've lost a lot of friends. But but, I mean, (laughs) many of the soap operas in the States, too, just, like, Never go away. It's just a constant. <laughs> I also yeah. loved that Ben Mendelsohn was on it because now he's like so known for playing like an intense villain. Oh, yeah. He is. He's such a good baddie, isn't oh, he? Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's great. Mm. Natalie's character, Beth Brennan, was so popular that her two episode gig turned into two full seasons Ooh. that she was on the show. We're mm-hmm. going to check out a clip of her yes! on the show. Oh, my God. I'm already having the best morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. It's hoping you weren't going to be like, yay, thanks for throwing all this Australian stuff at me. <laughs> if you had a shred of decency, you would walk out of her life right now. No doubt, exceptional acting. I found a great suit for you to wear to the wedding. It's in a little shop, but what's going on? Yeah, this is another, like, no, no. older guy situation. Yeah. Look at his hair. A real theme here. Oh, but why can't you stay here? Yeah. Gosh, he, he, looks, he, right. he looks 20 years older than her. Jim he looks like Bono. He does love it. His hair is insane. It is so crazy. It looks plastic. He spent more time in the hair chair than he Oh, definitely. Oh, my gosh. The sweatshirt is very 90s. The color of the... Oh, yeah. She's starting to look oh, more like the Natalie we know and love. What's happening at the end there? Yes. Who's this guy? Whoa. Uh, that's, that's her dad who doesn't oh. want... Oh, I watched a little bit before to get oh, caught yeah, up. Uh, her, that's her dad who like doesn't approve of them getting together because he's much oh. older and it's weird. So oh. <laughs> Okay, well, that, that's at least part of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that you got quietly hooked. In 1994, Natalie left Neighbours and she moved to London. She spent time in the 90s club and rave scene, which was enjoying its height in the UK. It's a time like when all the new superstar DJs were playing house and trance, techno, drum and bass, etc. Kind of the Mm. culmination of everything that had happened in the 80s. As she stated in an Irish Times interview in 2021, she was in a period of, quote, partying and aimless drifting. But mm. her time in the London music scene furthered her passion for music, and she started writing songs. Cool. Yes. And it turned out she was a natural. And in 96, she decided to hire a manager named Ann Barrett, who urged her to record a demo to shop around to labels. The demo included four songs, three that Natalie had written, and one that she hadn't. <gasps> oh. And that brings I feel like another in- one. <laughs> That she's not going to have we're gonna we're gonna change settings here. <laughs> we're gonna go slightly back in time, okay, to 1992, 
Mm-hmm. And we're going to find songwriter, producer, and bassist Phil Thornalley, who is working on songs in his studio in West Hampstead, London. Mm-hmm. Phil had done some mixing and production uh, for the last 15 years or so. And he played on a number of notable records by the likes of Duran Duran and the Thompson Twins, including a stint playing bass for The Cure for 18 months. Whoa. Love that. That's pretty cool. And I, I mention them a lot on this show just because they're one of my favorite bands. Uh, so I was delighted about this. I'm going to wedge them in. <laughs> he also produced their landmark album, Pornography, which included the song Love Cats. Do you all know this song? Yeah. Yes, of course. So let's take a listen because this song has an unmistakable upright bass line that kind of carries the song. And Phil is the one that wrote and plays this bass line. Which I did see that Bass Player Magazine said was the 23rd greatest bass line of all time. Wow. (laughs) What a list. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Also, this video is incredible. And I think this is the first one where they worked with that director. I forget his name that they worked with most of their careers. So it's like the first very cure video. It's a delightful little Robert Smith ditty. Great video. It is an excellent baseline, isn't it? It's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oddly enough, I said that he played bass for The Cure for 18 months. Much later in 2017, Phil played bass also for 18 months in Brian Adams' band. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I guess he only has the stamina to tour for a year and a half. I don't I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> wow. Anyway, Phil was still having a lot of ups and downs in his career and was trying to find his way after leaving the British New Wave scene behind. Mm-hmm. And he's working on songs with two friends, Anne Previn and Scott Cutler of the Los Angeles rock band Edna Swap. Got, got nothing here. You know Edna Swap? You, you know I love me some, uh, some 90s bands, but nothing here. I think you would like this band. I'm sure I will. Oh, so 90s. Great bass sound, speaking of. Yeah, I, I can get down with this. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not bad. I feel like I immediately want to comment on the hair, but that's not the point. Oh. <laughs> uh, you're welcome to comment on the hair. We often do. Okay. Okay, I like this. Well, Catchy song. Um, the bass player has, like, the, the goatee sideburn thing that <laughs> yes. every 90s bass player rocks. Really place a person by their hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Long sleeve shirt under the t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, whole thing. So that's Anna Swap. I'm going to do it. I must mention, she had worked on her vocal chops singing college co-ed acapella. Nice. Which I wouldn't know anything about No. at Harvard. Is that? That (laughs) feels like a lie. You wouldn't know anything about that part. (laughs) No, I wasn't at Harvard. And I also, a story for another day. But I saw that and I was like, I have to mention it. You were in an acapella group at school, at college? I was. I was, Yeah. Yes. Just when I thought I couldn't and, love you more. Uh, yeah, it's endearing. <laughs> when it comes up with like music industry people, it's like it opens up a whole can of worms. But uh, Theo went to college with me, so I'm sure he saw us. Um, also where I met my wife, I, I have to say. We were in the oh, same group. Wow. So. Well, I'm not surprised. No. Sexy stuff. <laughs> oh, <groups>. yes. <laughs> Very similar to the movie Pitch Perfect, like almost dead on. Um, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, it's pretty, like, that movie is spot on. (laughs) Wow. Less, we did less choreography, but we were like the, we were kind of like the stoner group in that movie. Uh I also love that Anne came up with the band's name 
Edna Swap after she dreamt that she was in a band that was so bad that they were booed off the stage and the band in her <laughs> dream was called Edna Swap. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So it's just like a made-up word for her dream. <laughs> Make this dream a reality. Feels like a bad omen, but good on her. It does feel like a bad That's omen. That's true. She, she took back the narrative. Did she, though? Because none of us knew. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. Brutal. There is a 2022 interview that Phil did with Songwriting Magazine that was edited by Duncan Haskell that was a huge resource for me while I wrote this story, so I had to mention it. Uh, It's a good read if you have the time. Phil had been working on some drum loops and bass lines for Edna Swap in the studio, and when Scott uh, and Anne were there. Scott was working with some keyboard sounds that went with it, and that inspired Anne to start writing melodies. And the day she wrote them, uh, it doesn't seem like anyone was super wowed by what they had put together. But overnight, mm-hmm. Anne kept working in her hotel room and showed up at the studio the next day with a song called Torn. Oh. Let's go. <gasps> yes. The rest is history. And Phil says that he kind of squirmed a little bit and said torn because he didn't like the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would go on to eat his words. Yes, of course. Um, they recorded much of the song that day, and Phil said it was a pretty routine day in the studio. He said there was no, we have a hit on our hands, exclamation, which is funny because I feel like that so many stories we recount on here people say that yeah. and we're like did you really feel that way right at that moment <laughs> right. did you we always say it's good for the story like revisionist history yeah like, we knew man uh, we knew right this away was a rocket <laughs> set for the moon yeah so i appreciate the honesty or maybe they did think that but they thought that about almost every song that they wrote and you know that just doesn't oh, pan that's out true. yeah <laughs> chances are one of them is, is gonna be a hit <laughs> He, in fact, said it was another day, another song. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. I mean, some songwriters are, like, writing, like, not performers. Songwriters are doing a song a day. It's what they do. It's It just becomes, like, monotonous, totally. I'm sure. So. Yeah. And some musicians, do, like, the one that mm-hmm. goes, you know, massive isn't the one that they would have picked. Like, it's the, it's, yeah. yeah, that seems to happen a lot. I feel like uh, that's a, a another thing that happens in a lot of the stories we tell. Is that it's like, well, we we just like tacked it on yeah. at the end of the recording and we thought it was okay. And then, yeah. you know. Do you think the more you do this podcast, the more you're finding the recipe, the hit recipe? No. Or getting more confused. I don't think so. I think it's mostly luck and timing and just all sorts of other insane yeah. influences. It's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. Like all the money in the world and all the geniuses that could put something together there's no guarantee mm. yeah, but interesting luck favors the prepared mind so <laughs> they flew in the rest of the band from mm. la to continue putting instrumentation on the song and the, the rest of the songs they're working on the rest of edna swap yes the rest of edna swap swapped mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and um one of these members was the band's guitarist rusty anderson oh, what a name who now, for <laughs> many years, has been Paul McCartney's lead guitarist. Whoa, Whoa that's yes. a cool job. He's in Paul's band. That's a great game. Imagine playing those parts. Uh, yeah, yeah, right? Wow. Long way from Edna Swap, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. <laughs> At the end of the day, uh, Phil said, 
The melody and lyrics are always doing the heavy lifting for any song. Productions come and go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cool. So let's check out Edna Swap's version of Torn. Oh, my gosh. Please. Cool. This is great stuff. I really like it, actually. I think it's cool. You like this version? I like this version. Wow. I like the intro. Another album cover that's so 90s. (laughs) 90s rock. 90s alt rock. Look at that funk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like the font from My So-Called Life. Oh, great show. <laughs> oh, wow. It's quite similar, really. It is. I like it. Yeah. It's just a bit sort of grittier. Yeah. Her voice is so cool. Yeah. And then way more distortion in the chorus. Wow, this is so interesting. So she wrote it. Yeah. And they did this version. Mm-hmm. I like this. I like it yeah. too. And then the famous guitar solo in the song. Mm. It's pretty similar at the end, but then it kind of drones out for a long time, mm-hmm. which is very different than the Natalie version. Mm. Wow. And then somehow it gets... Sorry, I'm going to get into the story. But I'm like, well, how does she feel about her is not becoming the massive hit. I mean, she still wrote it. She's still going to have had a lovely mm-hmm. time. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll hear a little little more from her. Okay. Uh, I, I like how she sings the song. It's very uh, me too. Passionate cool. in a way. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's got a really cool voice, and uh, it kind of shreds a little bit in the chorus. Yeah, it's got a bit of guts to it or something. It definitely does. That's great. Uh, so interestingly, this version, which was recorded in '92, wasn't released until Edna Swap's album came out in 1995 mm-hmm. on East West Records. Uh-huh. They had been playing it live all those years in between, but their debut record didn't come out because they'd been trying to land a record deal. It just took that long. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, a Danish A and R exec named Paul Brunn mm-hmm. somehow heard the song that they had recorded, and he positively loved it. <laughs> Positively. <laughs> yes, he did. And he suggested that Danish pop singer Lise Sorensen record it for her new album. <gasps> so she released her version, Whoa! translated into Danish, and titled, I believe it's Brent, which is burnt in Danish. I guess I translated better that way. Uh, this came out in Brent. 1993. Let's take a listen. Nothing's fun on Brent. Okay. <laughs> Not quite the same. <laughs> kind of funky. Yeah, the drums are definitely a bit funky. It's that Ooh, 90s snare. It's like a piccolo snare. <laughs> and the wow, 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 wow guitar. Yes. Yeah, it's fully in Danish. And. I gotta tell y'all, this went to number one in Denmark. Wow. wow it's a big do. hit. Big hit. Rent. It sort of is like how you would imagine Torn being performed at Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got totally. that energy. It really does. <laughs> it's a passionate performance with a lot I'm of harmonies. all in the same key. I don't know why I find that interesting. But yeah. I find that interesting. You're right. Mm. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Very interesting. I think it's a death. It's a lot more 
polished and not in a good way. Definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so far in the swaps winning. Yes. Definitely. Well, yeah. in 1996, after both Lee Sorensen and Edna Swap had released their versions of Torn. Tell me somebody else recorded it. Our Danish oh A&R man, Paul. He also suggested that Norwegian balladeer, as she's called, Trine oh. Rain, who was actually born in San Francisco, uh-huh. but is a Norwegian artist, um, that she record the song, and she released her version in 1996. Oh my god. Let's, Let's check go. it out. Cool. Let's go. <laughs> oh my god, is it in another language? This one in Norwegian? <laughs> no, it's, this one's in English. Okay. Ooh. Ooh, these drums are very... The bass is really muddy on this one. Yeah, the whole thing has got this kind of fuzz. Oh, I feel like they might have done a bit of a reharm with some of those chords. So nice. Look at that sexy dress and the wind machine is yes. doing a lot of heavy oh, yeah. lifting. And there's a crazy part of this video <laughs> where Rob Harvilla points it out in that oh, column. Oh, at 1.45, there's two mm-hmm. horses that arrive, and <laughs> she does this arm motion, and the horses fuck in the air. Wow. Whoa. It's That's incredible. Cool. Really good. Wow. <laughs> I'm, yeah, we need more wind machines and more horses in music videos. This is all very Well, inspiring. the video has a very Celine Dion Yeah, it does, it. doesn't it? And I think her vocal kind of does yeah. too. Yeah, just a little bit of that. Wow, that's incredible stuff. I can't believe this. Just feels like it's becoming less of an Aussie song the more you talk. But <laughs> <laughs> this one went to number ten in Norway. Whoa! And I, I, uh, I read it was also a hit in a few other countries. So. Interesting. Do you think this is a real sign of the times? Like, does it happen anymore, really, that people do four different versions that all go to the charts in their own countries? But not anymore. I don't know. We're too globalized, aren't we? I think there's too much information out there. It's like you would Google it right away and say, why are there three other versions of this song? Yeah. I wish I could just re record. um, I can't think of a single hit right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it even used to happen in, 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 the Shake same country, like, yeah, uh, that's like, uh, especially in like country and rock and roll music and soul, etc. In the 50s, 60s, yeah, like somebody would record it and totally. it would get big, and then somebody else would record it as quickly as they possibly could so they could sell a bunch of copies of it. You mean like a like yeah. a black artist would record it, and then a white artist would quickly well, record it? <laughs> that was very frequent. That yeah. was very frequent. Absolutely, that's even, that started earlier as mm-hmm. well, didn't it? But yeah, yeah, yeah that- for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cr- crazy. Um, that's actually the the. I don't know if this has come up on here before, Theo, but that's where the term cover song came from. It's you oh. release a you release a song to cover up the other one. Wow. <gasps> yeah, I know wow. that. That is interesting. Yeah. Gosh, I'm learning so much good trivia here. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. You have to go to uh, you have to go to pub trivia soon and just yeah. hope that it's all going to be about torn by Natalie and Brulia. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll have to have a dinner party and be like, guys, you never hey. believe the facts like that. That's what we're here for. If you have a dinner party about this song, 
please like we need to make like a short film about it yeah (laughs) that would be amazing secretly have all the different versions of torn on a playlist and be like notice anything (laughs) see how long it takes before people realize that's all you've been talking about (laughs) you're like serving salad you're like you know what's another thing about natalie and brilia that i just thought of (laughs) serve a bowl of twisties did you know yes (laughs) <laughs> Twisties, Japanese bubble gum, and Coca-Cola is all that will be served at, yeah. at this dinner party. Perfect. Well-balanced meal. <laughs> uh, I do feel like this version that we just listened to is a little closer to Natalie's, like, musically. Like, the some of the instrumentation and, like, the little harmonies in the background. Okay. I think we're getting closer. And mm-hmm. I think part of the reason is because our man Phil... Thorn Alley, who wrote the song, produced this Norwegian version. Oh. I think A&R man Paul brought out the big guns because they're trying to break this song as much as they can. He had Phil come in and work on it. Wow. So later that year, Phil was the touring bass player with Edwin Collins. Are any of you familiar with Edwin Collins? The name sounds familiar. So he was in the influential band Orange Juice, and then he went on for a solo career and while phil was playing bass with him uh edwin had a successful solo song that was blowing up and it was like height of brit pop in england and the song fits right in mm-hmm. um so phil had a decent thing going you know he's playing bass in this band we're gonna listen to this just because i love this song and i listen to it all the time and i was excited that it came <laughs> up in this story it's just a jam oh i know the song yeah Great, great song. song. Great song. Oh, yeah, of course. This is a big song. Right? It's great. Yeah. I, I put this on, like, party playlists often. I feel yeah. like it's it's a good one to throw in there. Yeah. I haven't heard this in ages. Video is great. Cool voice, too. Look at him. Great song. So Phil was playing bass in Edwin's band at this time. I don't think he's on that recording, but he's on the road. Um, but he wants to be a songwriter. He wants to live comfortably off the road. As we know, he only lasts 18 months on the road. Um, and he said he was, at this time, he was having some songs recorded by artists here and there, but nothing was sticking. And he said he had just missed out very closely on having a song on the Spice Girls 96 debut album. <laughs> and he was, he was crushed. <gasps> you would he like, be. He thought it was going to happen. Oh, man, that. That would be the ultimate achievement. Then, Phil's manager, Bill Stonebridge, mm-hmm. who is friends with Natalie's manager, Anne. Mm-hmm. I like that she has a female manager, by the way. Just- yeah, I thought that was cool, too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Not very Especially common. in the 90s. Yeah. In the 90s, you know? Yeah. I want to know more about Anne. Let's do that next episode. Yeah. <laughs> Come back next week. Yeah, we're going to do a whole thing about Anne. <laughs> we'll try to get Anne on the show. Yeah. Phil and Natalie meet, and they hit it off. And then they meet with Phil's publisher, Mark Fox. Mm-hmm. And Mark says to them, you got to do Torn. Mm-hmm. Put it put it on this demo that Natalie and Anne are working on. It's such a great song. And Phil was kind of like, ah, we've tried that song a few times. I don't think it's going to work. And Phil says, and as we know, Phil is a realist. Mm-hmm. He said that Mark said the exact words, I think this song will change both of your careers. <gasps> what a lot. Wow, wow, wow. So they go to work on the song. Recording Natalie's vocals over and over and over. Wow. Phil says they were trying to get that right breathy tone, oh. the one we all know from the song. 
And he said that her skills as an actor were amazing mm-hmm. because she would just do take after take after take and would just change it mm-hmm. a little bit each time. That is interesting. And they record the song. They put it on Nat- Natalie's demo. Yes, I looked for the demo. I couldn't find it. <laughs> and Anne chopped it around to labels. And RCA Records and BMG signed Natalie. Oh, wow. So that she could go to work on her debut album, Left of the Middle. Oh, yep. Yep. Which is political stance, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh she said at the time that when she signed the RCA contract and got her advance, she said, I couldn't get a work permit and couldn't get jobs. And when I signed, my UK visa was about to run out and I owed my landlord two grand. Whoa. So love this it. came Aww. at a good time. Good one, I also Natalie. love that she, like, she was having the successful acting career in Australia. Yeah. And then was like, you know what? I'm just going to move to London. And she's, you know, just getting by and trying to play music pretty cool i wonder if she had actively stopped acting or she was or it was kind of drying up or something like that but it's really interesting that point about her acting being a really helpful tool for the singing because that, that's something that i think takes years to realize like doing vocal takes i think you you i can totally imagine that when you you kind of can change the character of like in such a small way and it can have such a huge impact on a vocal take that that someone who's like well practiced in in fine tuning their performance delivery of words mm-hmm. would do, yeah, would be able to, especially something where you're trying to do it again and again and again, would would get that. You know? Totally, that made me think that she didn't write this song, so she's kind of playing a character or assuming the role of the character. Yeah, true. Which I would believe is even more difficult. Yeah. And she sells it wow. because, I mean. Yep. Proof is in the pudding. She, yeah, absolutely. That's the one we know. So when she made the album, Phil came back uh, and they got to finish Torn from the demo that mm-hmm. they made. And uh, Phil says that he feels like no previous version of the song nailed it the way that she did. He said she mm-hmm. has a heartbreaker voice and it just sells the song. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know how many vocal takes it took. Yeah, me too. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't see the number. He just. I think he said a ton. <laughs> so maybe yeah. two thousand. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he, we'll go, we'll go. he said that he obsessed over the production because he wanted to be perfect. He kept adding and deleting guitar parts over and over, and just didn't seem right. The feel didn't seem right. And then mm. he turned to his assistant engineer, mm. a gentleman by the name of Nigel Godrich. Oh, Theo, yeah. do you know who Nigel is? I do. I'm blanking, but I know... Can you pinpoint it? I know that name for sure. Well, only a year later, he went from assistant engineer to producing Radiohead's OK Computer. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's right. And the rest was history. Okay, there but you right go. right now, he's like, hey, I think you should change some things on this Torn recording. And he suggested to Phil... <laughs> that the song sounded too perfect and that Phil should re-record the guitars and the bass in one take and make mm. it sound more like a band and less like a machine. That's what Phil did. Mm. Love that. Thanks to Nigel. That's cool advice. Yeah. yeah. Like um, the band on the song was rounded out by some notable figures, including Chuck Sabo. Theo, does that name sound familiar? 
Uh, did we mention him recently? We mentioned him in the first episode of our podcast. Oh. Feels like a memorable he, name. He played drums on Right Said Fred's debut album. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amazing. Hasn't that stuck in your mind? <laughs> I would not have connected that one. <laughs> uh, additionally, the electronic beat at the beginning of the song, when it starts and the guitar come and chimes come in, mm-hmm. uh, that was made by electronic duo Zero Seven, uh-huh. who are most famous for their song In the Waiting Line from the Garden State soundtrack. Oh. Do Great you all know soundtrack. that song? I just Oh, yeah. Classic. I I burned that soundtrack to the ground. That was the semi time. It's a great soundtrack. Oh my god. This takes me back to the no, driving too. around oh, at night yeah. in high school. Oh, yeah. This is a great song. Mm. Um, what's crazy is that the way that Zero Seven ended up on this song is that their studio was right down the street from Phil's and they'd been collaborating and Phil plays bass on this song. Oh wow. Yeah. Motherfuckers everywhere. I know. Uh, <laughs> and he says that their neighborhood of West Hampstead was the zeitgeist. Oh. Like there were just musicians everywhere collaborating. Mm. So much so that Katrina Leskinich of the band Katrina and the Waves. Mm-hmm. Do you all know Katrina and the Waves? No. You probably know this song. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Big song. This so, would be a good song for us. Oh, I feel ashamed yeah, for not be. knowing Katrina and the Waves. Ow! I can't name another song by them. So <laughs> no. It's understandable, but it's a great song. It uh, great and song. also, yeah, kind of an odd song for being an 80s hit, because it sounds like it's from 20 years prior. But uh, Katrina was also a neighbor, and you know all the breathy little ooze, like in the pre-choruses and stuff? Ooh. Those are her. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah, what a lineup working on this song. I mean, great sometimes I think that, like, does any energy, how much energy went into the rest of the album? Do you know what I mean? Like, are they, <laughs> <laughs> are they doing this meticulous work on every single song? Probably not. Well, when you've got that RCA <laughs> advance in the 90s when True. they're just selling CDs left and right. Yeah, maybe yeah, they you are. you got time to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Phil actually says that, and again, I couldn't find this, the Natalie version, the hit version, is the closest version to the original demo that they had cut with Anne. Oh, my gosh. That's back interesting. In, back in 92, um, which I would have loved to have heard. Mm. Phil did end up working on several of the songs on Natalie's album. Um, Natalie wrote or co-wrote 10 of the 12 songs. Nice. And Respect. Phil co-wrote four of them with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Torn, which was one of the only two songs not written by Natalie on the album, was passed on by every major publisher over its five-year journey. What? And BMG only took it on when they signed Natalie. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. So, keep trying, kids. Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep your heads up. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to hear no. Of course. Mm. Upon the release of Torn... Natalie's torn. I mean, we're on number four here. Uh, In October of 97, Richard Park, Mm -hmm. the music director at Capital Radio, a huge station in London, started playing it right away. However, the BBC stations were slow to play it because they thought that Natalie's soap opera past wasn't cool. 
<laughs> they were trying to keep up their cool and they wouldn't play it for a while. And eventually they couldn't escape it because every other pop station was playing it in England. Yeah. And those jerks. Before it got famous worldwide, it went to number two on the UK singles chart. Huh. What, uh, do you know a song they couldn't take down? It's interesting. If I can quickly find it. How much she did, she spent her career in the, in the UK, not down here. Totally. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I didn't actually, I knew that she lived in London for a bit because when she was married to Daniel Johns from Silverchair, yes. he was living in Australia and she, cause I listened to his podcast that came out a while ago. Oh, did, I listened to that um, yet, but, yeah. She's in it and she um, talks about, cause they're still friends, mm. but she talks about how she was living in England and he was living in Australia and they were just like, we can't be married. Yeah. Like, this is, <laughs> this isn't <enough>. working. <laughs> yeah. Did you not know that Theo? That hot bit of nope. goss. Yeah, True. that was a yeah. big... They were like Australians, like Australia's darling couple for a while. Rock and roll wow. power couple. Yeah, they were a huge thing. Are you feeling a little torn? Are you feeling all out of faith? Well, we can't quite help you with those conundrums, but we can lift your mood with some coffee from our friends at Dark Matter. Head to darkmattercoffee.com and use code WANTEDHITCAST for free shipping on Dark Matter's ethically sourced intellectually honest coffee beans turn this illusion into something real beyond radio especially in the u.s and australia the music video for this song was a huge part of the song's success i remember seeing it over and over and over on mtv and vh1 like Mm. on the hour if not more often (laughs) and to be candid I was thinking, I think Natalie was one of my first crushes because wow. of this video. Oh, it's a sexy one. I, th- I, think, I think she was. Yeah. yeah. She was just so cool. Yeah. Cool. That's she was why. so cool. That's why. You I thought. mean, <laughs> it's really, it's the whole, it's the whole thing. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah. The song is great. She <gasps> oh just, gosh. well, the way she's dressed and her hair, she's cool. She's That's so a cool. big moment. Oh, yeah. She had that haircut, that short mm-hmm. hair. Such a great video. So the hair actually is because she didn't want to look like her character from Neighbors, so she cut all her hair off. Oh, nice. A rebrand. Very yeah. casual clothing, yeah. Oh, it's, okay. it's, it's very much so popular. Yeah, actually, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because I do want to mention that um, recently, in the last few years, Natalie's been very open about her battle with body dysmorphia. Oh. And um, a lot of this was occurring at this time. It's wild to think about, isn't it? She's like the most beautiful, perfect person. Yeah, but she'd been coming out of the acting and modeling Mm. world, and um, her iconic look in the video uh, Mm. was because she didn't want to wear a dress or anything because she Mm. felt really uncomfortable. And she said her intention was that so no one could see her, and then she said it ended up that there was a power in that because it was seen like androgyny is cool. Mm. So I think she looks back on it as being something that was powerful, but at the time, there was a, a reason for her wardrobe. She was self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, it's kind of funny to, to look at it now. It's so, it's like such a daggy outfit, especially that hoodie. Yeah. It's like quite a drab outfit, but yeah, it's really well, nice. To me, it reminds me so much of Claire Danes and myself on life for our second totally. reference of the day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah bringing it back (laughs) but i also think that played into why i thought she looked so cool it seemed like somebody like that you would actually 
hang out with, you know, yeah. instead yeah, yeah, of uh, the girl all the pop door. stars that were. I like this. I like this first crush. Yeah. Um, reveal. Yeah. I think. It's I don't know if she's the first, but she's one of them for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. definitely one that I remembered when I watched it. I was like, oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I never turned it off when it came on every hour. <laughs> Is the idea behind the video kind of a reference to her filming Neighbors? Like, is, it, is she supposed to be filming a show here, or is it kind of like BTS of filming a music video? I don't know what the actual meaning of the concept is. Um, mm. Like, if it's a metaphor, or if it's, you know, uh, that she's playing a character but this was a concept that was developed by the director and it's the one that natalie picked right. out of the ones that were very cool um wow. and there's a big reveal when they're taking down all the oh yeah I all the this. uh the set and um that was actually very rehearsed they had a crew do that a bunch of times mm. so that they could get it all in one shot yeah. Ooh, she needs to kiss this guy. What happened to this guy? <laughs> the guy is English <laughs> TV and film actor Jeremy Sheffield. Oh. Um, he's also in Queen's music video for I Want to Break Free. Oh, wow. wow. And Natalie's the one sick. that selected him for the role. Gosh. He was yeah. kissing all the pop stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the guitar solo. Sorry, I'm lost in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should be. Yeah. It's it's a great video. Mm. It's so good, and her like effortless dancing at the end. That's also real kind of casual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could hang out and dance like this. I, it's not an intimidating dancing. See? It's not like, like a J Lo sort of choreographed full on thing. Yeah, she would totally hang out with a ten year old that reads comic books, right? Understand. <laughs> 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 Uh, the video was directed by Allison McLean, uh, who went on to direct episodes of Sex in the City and The Tudors. Cool. She mm. also directed the indie film Jesus' Son with Billy Crudup and Jack Black, which is pretty good if you haven't seen it. Oh, I love Billy Crudup. Uh, I do, too. He's so great. As I said, Natalie picked the concept. She had a lot of artistic and creative input on the video, which was not always the case for pop singers at the time. Nice to be an actor doing a music video as well. Like you're yeah. very comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. Um the B roll footage that they have in the video is authentic. They just kept cameras rolling while they were you know, while they're like rehearsing yeah. and stuff. That's all real B roll. Uh, in fact there is a six minute B roll video on YouTube of just like footage from the video. If Whoa. you're super interested in behind the scenes, <laughs> Mike definitely watched. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit pervy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, something about that. <laughs> hey, I debated even including that in there, but I felt like it was a personal <laughs> connection that was important. It's research, babe. I That's really why I gotta watch this that. video over and over. <laughs> I really appreciate that intel. <laughs> You've learned so much about me today, Georgia. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm the good stuff. <laughs> The scene that they're rehearsing in the B-roll where they have the scripts uh, is actually uh, a scene that Allison McLean, the director, wrote herself, which is an adaptation of a Marlon Brando scene from Last Tango in Paris. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's deep. That feels like a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. And that's a movie that's about uh, about abuse. Um, so, you know, I know she's, she's saying she's all torn up and they're fighting and I don't know if that's where Allison Mm. kind of 
got some of the inspiration. Um, mm. And also, Natalie said she was very nervous to sing on camera because she hadn't really done it before. Oh, wow. Which is to wild to think camera. about. Yeah. Yeah. Or lip huh. lip sync, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe even more nerve-wracking. Yeah. To lip sync. That would be different. Yeah. So I do want to say that I listened to the entire album today. Did you? I did. Excellent. Are uh, there any other songs worth noting? So I saw that CD everywhere, but I don't think I had it. I don't think we had it in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have it. I had a great time listening today. It's excellent. Oh, cool. Um, it's way more interesting and diverse than I thought it was going to be. And it's like very alt rock. Mm-hmm. It's not a pop record. Um, mm. I mean, there's like some grunge and folk. There's like a trip hop song that sounds like Portishead or like Massive Attack on it. That's really good. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it's got some kind of 90s industrial thing, almost like garbage a little bit Yeah, on it. Um, there are a couple songs that have huge Alanis Morissette vibes. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it sounds like the production was kind of going for that, but it really works. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's a song called mm-hmm. Intuition that's wonderful that... I feel like could fit oh, into that, the Alanis. Maybe world. that rings a bell. I'm trying to think if there's any other songs that maybe were on on the charts on the radio at all. So you would know Intuition more than we like would because yeah. she didn't have that many more hits here, but she had a several in Australia. Oh, <laughs> I should know then. Like, I mean, maybe. I feel like given yeah. your crush, I'm surprised you don't own the LP. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. look at look at this headshot in, in the front of the album. Hey, it was a fleeting moment. It wasn't oh. defining of my life, Theo. <laughs> yeah. But this Look is very that. cool. And the blue vinyl. The blue vinyl, the blue eyes. Super cool. Oh, right. She's extremely beautiful. Those eyes. Yeah. Yeah. She, she looks they absolutely could. nothing like the girl oh. in the Twisties commercial, though. I would have never guessed. <laughs> exactly. Well, she definitely was a real darling of, of Australia for a long time, and mm-hmm. I think still is, but He's been in way kind of like Kylie Minogue. I mean, there's a thing that happens here is we have a bit of a yeah star drain that people do immediately move overseas. <laughs> but um, mm. you know, I would say her and Kylie are probably like the two, you know, '90s. Well, Kylie's '80s as well, but um, kind of female pop stars that Australia still thinks of as like our golden gals, right? Uh- Maybe Olivia Newton-John as well, but you know. It's funny you say that about Kylie because in that, uh, I didn't write this in here, but um, in the 60 songs that explain the 90s uh, article about this, uh, he says that Natalie Imbruglia went from Australian soap opera to England to pop star. And he said that he calls that the Kylie. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Very like strangely similar path. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was going to say about the album, it feels like a lot of it would fit in on alternative radio at the time, but this song wow. didn't even get, didn't even chart on alternative radio. Um, mm. I feel like it was more rock than this song. So I wonder how the general public felt about the album when they bought it. Cause it's, I mean, it kind of makes sense cause she, mm. she co-wrote all the other songs. So they're, they're probably pretty different than this, but mm. yeah, it was an interesting lesson. Yeah. I recommend it. Well, that's interesting about the positioning of her because I guess it's like the radio stations that were like, no, she's too kind of cheesy from having the soap opera background. Mm-hmm. She's not cool and interesting enough. And then so, but she was still positioned as being sort of poppy. And then, but maybe she was then considered too poppy for alternative stations and things like that. Right. I don't know. 
we know that this ended up being number two on the UK charts. Theo, uh-huh. do you have a guess as to where this ended up on the US Hot 100? It's a big song, but... Mm-hmm. In 1997. So it hit in 90... It was 98 by the time it got over here. Oh. You guys are a bit slow. Yeah, yeah we are. But tough to... I mean, <laughs> a lot of... A lot of a lot of big albums are out here. I'm going to go... Seven. Ooh. I would tell you to guess again, but I don't think you're going to get it. It only got to okay. number 42 oh. on the Hot 100. Wow. Here. No! Which is so bizarre. Of life. I spent a lot of time looking at this today. It didn't make any sense. I'm wondering if maybe the single sales didn't match the radio success, mm. or maybe they didn't manufacture enough CD singles here. Oh. Because while was the Billboard mainstream was airplay was, it was number one. Like it was the number one song at radio, oh. but on the Hot 100, it only got to 42. So it made me think it was a sales thing or. When it hit, they had to import them. Well, I, nobody bought it because know. they could hear it every hour on the hour. <laughs> yeah. On VH1. <laughs> uh, I was really confused. It was also number one on the U.S. adult contemporary chart. Uh, and it was on that chart yeah, for 14 weeks. Yeah. It was huge. Weird. So I feel I thought it might have been a number wow. one, to be honest. It's got to be a single thing. Um, I would think it's the, it's the sales single thing. Because at that point, the album didn't count toward the Hot 100. Wow, that's a bummer. Well, what was the top 10? Let's hear it. Well, I will tell you, but first I want Georgia to guess where it peaked on the Australia ARIA chart. Oh, well, one, surely. It only made it to two. And I couldn't find the chart from that time. I searched for it and couldn't find it. And I don't know what was that number one that it could (gasps) topple. So if we find out, we we have to mention it later. The shame. Well, I feel like I mean, yeah, nineteen ninety seven. I was eight or nine. I was probably so obviously a great judge on what's cool and what's not. And <laughs> um, um, I reckon maybe the Spice Girls were. I'd be there. right. Yeah, but I did. I did find the Aria top ten songs of ninety seven. So okay, one of these could have been it. Oh, okay, great. Uh, what are so they? we we had at number ten. The only one on here I'm not familiar with, um, Break My Stride by Unique 2. Hmm. Do you know this song? Mm, probably if you play it, but no. <laughs> I mean, I guess we should check it out. <laughs> uh, every other song I, I knew. Well, here it is, and the single cover is super 90s. It's got it's got that album cover. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know you know this? Okay. Yeah. Do you not? I mean, I know the one that it's sampling the, like the, the chorus. Mm-hmm. But I don't know this version. Oh, okay, yeah. I wonder how they feel about the band name Unique Two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so bad. And two is Roman numeral. Hey, I'm unique, get but I'm the second most unique. <laughs> right. It feels like uh, you see like boat names like that. Yeah. Or they just weren't creative yeah. enough to get a new name when they sunk their first boat. <laughs> My first boat, too. <laughs> uh, uh, so number nine is Breathe by Prodigy. Oh, okay. Uh, number, you know, back to the, the 
UK club culture. Um, yeah. Eight I wasn't is that in year four. Uh, yeah. No doubt. Don't speak. Which yeah. massive. Um, seven was an Australian band, Savage Garden, Truly Madly Deeply. <gasps> the best song. Didn't know they were song? Australian oh, either. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh. Yes. How dare you? <laughs> this song is huge. <laughs> uh, I, I listen to, George, I think we talked about this. I listen to a lot of Australian, mostly independent music. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like I'm on the pulse of when bands are Australian and when they're not. I feel like okay, I, cool. don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you need not. to you need to get on it. <laughs> I you know, I like all genres. I don't uh, discriminate no matter what country you come from. Theo's like, I think I don't think they play music in Australia. I don't think they have it. <laughs> I'm sure several of the bands I've sent you, Theo, over the last couple of years, I'm like, check out this cool band was Australian. Because oh, yeah. I don't know. Something's going on down there, Georgia. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number six was Will Smith, Men in Black. Big song. Big Yeah. I've forgotten about that. Five was Hanson Mbop from. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, number four, I'll Be Missing You, Puff Daddy, and Faith Evans. Ooh, I mean, big huge. song. A lot of hits. Uh, the top three are not American, but also not Australian. Three is Chumbawamba Tub Thumping, which we've done an episode about. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Uh, that's our most popular episode oh, wow. by far. Um, two, we also have an episode about. It's Aqua Barbie Girl. Oh, yeah. Yep. And very relevant right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number one, I mean, just unimpeachable in this year. Elton John, Candle in the Wind, 97. Ooh. I mean. Maybe that was it. Maybe that was it, but I'm seeing here, now that I'm looking at it. Depends when when Princess Di died. That's true. Yeah. You I'm know, not sure when exactly that was. Versus when, it was definitely 97, versus when the um, mm-hmm. Torn came when out. When Torn came out. Two but huge moments There's a couple songs there that I could see being number one for week Thorn End. Well, I'm reading here now, one through eight got to number one at some point mm-hmm. okay. interesting so uh unique looks like Mbop, <laughs> Mbop spent the most weeks at number one at nine weeks <laughs> yeah yeah Mbop. i can't uh, wait to do an episode on that song oh my gosh yeah that's gonna be weird uh we well, let's also went take... on tour with um hansen I say Did you nearly. really? It becomes not a story when it does. <laughs> 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 when it when didn't happen. <laughs> we went um we did go on tour with the Backstreet Boys. Have I ever told you that? I knew that. What? Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we nearly opened for Hanson and we were we were told it was a very, very close to happening, and then they suddenly changed their mind. Um and Fuckers. we put it down to the fact that maybe we made this music video video which was um about cults and it was a bit um I don't know. Maybe maybe it put them off because they're quite religious. It was, oh, made, it made a bit of a spicy music video. Yeah, that's <clears> uh, that's kind of come back oh. to bite them in the last few years. There's been some controversy amongst the umboppers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which we'll probably get into. Ooh. Yeah, they like all their fans fight on Reddit and stuff. It's a whole thing. Wow, that's juicy. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Yeah. Left of the middle. Earned Embrilia six Aria Awards in 1998. Mm. She also won an MTV Award for Best New Artist in 1998 uh, and three Grammy nominations. 
Oh, cool. Yes. Uh, she won two Brit Awards for Best International Newcomer and Best International Female. So wow. she raked it in. Best on this foreign one. woman. <laughs> <laughs> it is a funny category. <laughs> well, after this, uh, Natalie took some time off. <clears throat> okay. After the album, she straight up yeah. did she tour yeah, she did tour it yeah i mm-hmm. think after the album cycle was over okay yeah um she moved to windsor to a really old house huh. and she said she kind of hibernated and she said that all of the pressure and attention made her a little agoraphobic so she mm. took some time off and recharged um and then she is quite open that she suffers from writer's block pretty frequently Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she'll have, you know, these bursts of creative energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened after that record. And then she didn't have a new record until 2002. And actually, uh, I didn't know this, but she had another song enter the U.S. Hot 100. Oh. It's called Wrong Impression. Oh. I'd like to mention that it's a bit ironic. That she grew up wanting to become famous, and then she became famous, and became she hated it, and then became yeah, yeah. Not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, on. totally. That's that. That is interesting. Can't handle the heat, eh, baby. I'm, I'm sure she's not alone in in that happening. You think it's one thing and it's another. Yeah, especially when you're uh, a kid. Also, I I totally remember this song. I know this song. Oh, so I feel like I it got some. Maybe some MTV airplay, VH1. Sounds vaguely familiar, right? I, like I dig it. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty poppy. Video is oddly the same, just outside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that gets hard part. I really remember, and yeah, I definitely know the song. Yeah. So did she write this one? Do we know? She did write the song. Yes. Uh huh. She did. And this song also reached number 30 on the adult contemporary chart in the U.S. Mm. Uh, This album, her second album, was also notorious in the Sony BMG copy protection rootkit scandal. Are you all familiar with that? No. Because I was a a victim of it. I was a victim of it. (gasps) They they put copyright protection on the CDs because people started to burn them and, like, put them on their computers and stuff. And it, it, like, put a virus on people's... Computers. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. So then they sent a thing out to anyone who had purchased CDs from Sony BMG and they give you like th- I, their payment was like, you can pick 25 CDs and we'll send you whatever you want, which at the oh, time, I mean, awesome. I was like 14. I was like, I'm going to pick some awesome stuff. And then you yeah. go to the list and you're like, okay, this is stuff they have overstock of for sure. <laughs> Oh no! But every so often, I hear a song, and I'm like, "Oh, that's on one of those CDs I got from Sony when they were trying to make things." Wow, that's so interesting! I never knew this. Kind of genius of them. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, maybe it was a marketing ploy just to get get some of those unwanted (laughs) CDs to some ears. That was the last charting single that she had in America, but she had multiple hit songs and albums in Australia, the UK and elsewhere over the last 20 years. But after that record, she moved to LA 
to get back into acting, and she appeared in several major films. Mm, Most notably, she was the second lead in the Rowan Atkinson comedy, Johnny English. Oh, yeah. The spy movie he did, which I think I saw in the theater. Did you? Pretty sure. But I don't think I knew she was in it when I went to go see it. I really don't. I really don't. Lining up by that time, I had forgotten. Um, <laughs> oh, sure, God. sure, sure, sure. I'm never going to live this down between the two of you. <laughs> um, Natalie has since enjoyed a career of film and TV acting, modeling, TV hosting, and recording and performing music, as well as numerous philanthropic endeavors, which she seems very passionate about. Uh, she was a judge on The X Factor and recently appeared on The Masked Singer dressed as a panda. Oh. <laughs> God. That feels like a fall from grace. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, but the Mass Singer's got a lot of super famous people on it. Sure. Yeah, and Rudy Giuliani. I mean, you know, oh my god. Uh... <laughs> uh, and I did mention she did return to Neighbors last year. Oh yeah. Um, her most recent album, 2021's Firebird, features collaborations with Katie Tunstall and the Strokes' Albert Hammond Jr., who I guess had been begging her to work with him for a long time and was delighted when she finally relented. <laughs> I bet he was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's probably around my age, so. <laughs> wow. I didn't know she had an album that recently. I, I feel terrible. I thought she was really just sort of living her life in London these days, not really doing the music thing anymore but cool seems like she's back into it she did have a bout of writer's block before that record too and then Mm just had all this creativity yeah um i don't know when it came out but she had another record too in the 2000s that chris martin from coldplay was on so she's a lot of fans out there yeah music business she's cool um as for phil uh he went on to write and produce multiple uk number one singles and continues to write produce and perform today mostly with his own band, as we know, he played bass for Brian Adams for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, thankfully, Anne and Scott from uh, Edna Swap remain good friends. Some of the Edna Swap fans seem to be upset that I made the song successful with Natalie and not them. Mm. But it's been an incredible door opener for our careers, which is definitely true because Edna Swap disbanded in 99 after releasing five albums on various record labels but then Anne and scott have written songs for madonna beyonce Katy perry Sinead o'connor miley cyrus demi lovato jordan sparks zach brown band and like a whole list of others Damn. So, holy shit they have done well they got the monies <clears throat> yes. oh my gosh yes. okay so they're probably not bitter about it probably not um and this song's still huge. Uh, it was yeah. the only song from the 1990s to be featured in Forbes's list of the UK's 40 most played songs of the 2010s. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, and a few oh. years ago, a viral post on Twitter about how the song is actually a cover song <laughs> started a huge online conversation. And there are multiple articles in major publications covering the story of the song, which mm. is probably how I first had discovered that this was a cover mm. years ago. Um, you do have your finger on the pulse. <laughs> only with Natalie. Um, <laughs> Torn is the most played song on Australian radio since 1990. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. That's wild. Uh, yeah. Um, oh my gosh. As of 2021, it's still the most played song on Australian radio. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so wow. funny. <laughs> and it wow. only made number two. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, go on. Yeah. Since 1997, it's been played an average of 75 times a day on Australian radio. Are you kidding Lord. me? Yep. That's insane. We don't even have that many stations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, they're playing it multiple times. That's um, <laughs> every hour on the hour. <laughs> Q Magazine in the UK uh, called it the best pop song of all time. What? Oh, my yeah. God. Uh, and Billboard in 2013 ranked Torn the number 26 biggest pop song in American history. Mm. I wonder how Natalie feels about her big hit not being one of the ones she's written. I mean, it's such a common story, but it must be a slightly weird feeling. I think it is because of the big deal that other people made out of it. Um, There's been some backlash that she not only, it's not just that she didn't write the song, but that it had been already played by other people and released. Um, Yeah. Although it's like gone through so many hands. I think to her credit, she's the one that finally made it a smash, and that's awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a DJ named Chris Evans who said it shouldn't be called torn; it should be called ripped off, which is just oh. not cool. <laughs> okay, that guy's bitter that he's not the yeah, Chris right. Evans. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not Captain totally. America. Um, <laughs> she's never pretended that it was her song. She always credits it to Phil and with Scott and Anne. And uh, she yeah, talks right. about Edna Swap. She seems to think it's pretty cool. Uh, she said mm. it, that she also said that she doesn't hear people criticizing male artists in the same situation. And she's probably right. Mm. Yeah. 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 But probably overall, is. she loves the song. She said, I decided to never hate it because I knew I would be singing it forever. I'm incredibly proud to be part of something that has touched so many people. Because of that, I've been able to have a music career. Mm. So. Well, she hosted or she co-hosted the Aria Awards last year, and I'm I have a feeling she might have sung a bit of it oh. then. She's sung that. it a number but, of yeah. times on TV and stuff since. She seems like she's 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 into it and has fun yeah. with it. You definitely would have to be. I mean, if you're gonna, yeah, you, you're gonna have to genuinely become very comfortable with performing definitely, that song for definitely. your entire life. And luckily, she had a number of other hits uh, throughout the years. So. Mm. Um, mm. In that same Irish Times article about her from 2021, there's a great quotation that I think sums this up nicely. Uh, It says, released in 1997, Torn was a shimmering nugget of Gen X angst that swept in on the trailblaze by Alanis Morissette and Fiona Apple. Torn wasn't the most groundbreaking hit ever, but it twinkled with an unmistakable major label gloss. When Imbruglia surfing waves of anguish and rocking a glamorous tomboy look plunged into the chorus... Who could resist? Mm. Yeah. I really like what Rob Harvilla said at the end of his column. He said, for a solid half decade, we've dragged this poor song back and forth across the globe in a prolonged attempt to realize its true potential. But finally, we've arrived at the torn to rule them all. And we have found the singer (laughs) who will sing the torn to rule them all. And my theory at this hour (laughs) is that Natalie Imbruglia takes command of this song on the line, this is how I feel. Oh, oh yeah. I can't say cool. it better than Rob. That's just yeah. that's mic drop. There it is. Nice. Yeah. That's torn. Well, well that's made. that's torn. That's the song by awesome. Natalie Imbruglia and several other artists. That was very fun. <laughs> what a wonderful journey. Thank you so much. I feel yeah. I I, I feel thoroughly educated on a topic that i can now go and brag to my friends about 
the, the dinner party. The, dinner, the torn, the yeah. torn theme dinner party that no one else yeah. knows is a torn theme dinner party is gonna be great. Yeah, make yeah. sure you do it before this episode comes out because, like we said, we have like eight listeners in Australia. One of them could be your friend. You know? It's more than eight, Theo. Yeah. It's definitely more I'm than eight. Get stuck in the street. I know it. Well, Georgia, thanks so much for coming and spending so much time with us on your Thursday morning. Um, we would love to hear, and, and our listeners, I'm sure, would love to hear what's going on with you. And I'd say specifically about your new album that is coming. Thanks. Well, actually, as we record, it's coming out tomorrow, which I don't know when oh this my will goodness. come out. But presumably, this will be a little after. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I realized that it's <laughs> yes. this Friday. That's incredible. I know. Congratulations. It's nuts, so thank you um so yeah this is my first solo album i've been part of a band called all our exes live in texas for the last few years which is how i met um our, your lovely host here um great but, band. yeah that's yeah i'm excited to release the solo album i i recorded it with um producer who's in la noah georgeson he is wonderful he's worked with um like Kate LeBon. And, oh, yeah. Cool. Um, Devendra Banhartan and awesome. lots of people like that. And is beautiful. And um, we made it entirely remotely during the pandemic, which was a combination of wonderful and kind of and super weird. But in the end, I think kind of special. And it's very like quite different to the band stuff. It's like big and lush and dramatic. We were listening to lots of Kate Bush and um, sort of. The Wainwrights and like, so it's that is evident from what I've heard. I've from the singles I've heard, it's very cool. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. So, yeah, I'm excited tomorrow. So, I've got to, I'm got to, I don't know, it's hectic times. Wow, you spent part of your release day eve with us. I'm, I'm honored. I'm really honored. That is, (laughs) you have, uh, I'm sure, lots of other things to be doing. No, instead of discussing torn. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. This is actually a perfect break from the just relentless emails and social media ring and i was so keen i even turned up yesterday getting the time zones confused <laughs> that's true you know what you you did this twice i researched twice <laughs> yeah theo researched another song <laughs> great we almost took the same path as the song torn to finally get it right on the fourth try true, <laughs> it's true. i was gonna do this in danish and then uh... <laughs> that's a wrap on this episode of you wanted a thing Thanks for listening. Good luck getting that song out of your head. If you enjoyed the show, please do all the things podcasts usually ask you to. They really help. Tell a friend about the show, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, write a review on your favorite podcast app, and visit our website, ywahpod.com. That's ywahpod.com for updates on new episodes and our merch store. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, stickers, and more. And it all goes back into the podcast. We would love to hear what you thought of the episode. We just want to hear if there's something that we missed. You can reach us on Instagram and Twitter at YWHPod or directly via email at YWHPod at gmail.com. This podcast was researched, produced, recorded, and edited by me and Theo Biden. And our theme music is by Hair Doctor. We'll see you next time.